You're listening to a special podcast produced by UMFM 101.5 in partnership with the Winnipeg Folk Festival, running Thursday, July 6th through Sunday, July 9th at Picturesque Birds Hill Park. Winnipeg Folk Festival is a celebration of people and music. It has been one of North America's premier outdoor music festivals for over 40 years. I'm Michael Elts, host of Thank God It's Free Range, and this episode spotlights Andrina Turan. Turan, a local bilingual singer whose former group Shikamin won the Juno, she finally released her solo debut, Bold as Logs, this spring. Turin will be performing at 2.30 p.m. at Burr Oak on Saturday, July 8th. For the full lineup, a complete list of set times to purchase tickets, and for more information on the Winnipeg Folk Festival, visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca. Well, you know her voice from Shikamin, but uh, now you'll know her name as a solo artist, Andrina Turen, releasing Bold as Logs and joining me on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So, I mean, you've, you've got a decades-long career as, as a musician, as a performer, but this, this is it. This is the first record under, under your own name, and I'm curious about the journey that led you to this because it's, it's even been several years since Shikamin, you know, finished making music that why now and and what led you to this uh well i suppose throughout my whole career i've i've been in bands for a long time uh but i i had several side projects and i had always been sort of writing some songs on my own and performing solo 
you know, casually. And so um, when Chikemin ended in 2015, I knew that the next step for me would be a solo project and that I would want to make a record. Uh, but, you know, after, you know, 20 years in the industry and, and, you know, doing a lot of management, I just was feeling a little bit burned out by the um, industry side of things at that time. Uh, and just needed to take a break and also needed to recalibrate and figure out like I knew that that being solo would be the next step, but I just didn't really un know what all the layers of that would be. And I think that I just needed to uh, allow myself time to kind of reconnect with myself as a solo artist, as, you know, the 15 year old songwriter in my bedroom and the, you know, child who always loved music and just kind of explore that so that when I launched this new chapter, I would be, uh, you know, very rooted in in what I was bringing to the table. And I think that that's the exploration part. So I, I spent some years just taking contracts, doing music for film and theater and uh, various other contracts sort of in that realm. Uh, and it, it did give me the time to explore that. And so in 2021 with the pandemic, felt like a really perfect time to really dive into my songs, my repertoire and see where it could lead. And, you know, my really good friends from a long time, since a long time, Grant Siemens and Damon Mitchell were also around, you know, uh, at that time. And so it just felt like the right time and the right sort of setting to, to jump in and, and make this first record. So rediscovering that 15 year old in her bedroom, you know, who was a solo writer, you'd obviously written with other people. Mm -hmm. Did you have to kind of like adjust your mindset to kind of reconnect with that that 15 year old who, who was a solo artist who, you know, had a singular voice and wasn't, you know, part of like a, a collective of writers? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that my songwriting process had evolved over the years and I became a pretty harsh critic of my own writing and so it became hard for me to do uh for a little while because it was just really hard for me to turn off my editor my auto editor in my head so um i mean that was a process but i i still kept going back to that 15 year old who had very few inhibitions about writing and very few insecurities about it and I tried to just let myself go there again and I re-explored all of the songs that I had sort of written throughout the years to see which of these still feel a part of me and feel important stories to tell and then exploring brand new songs and having the confidence to bring them to my uh, collaborators and to sort of just explore with them and so my songwriting process has changed but also I keep going back to sort of the root of it. And I think that the most important thing is just to trust that I'll know if I like it or not, you know? So you're saying you, you were as a 15 year old, you didn't have inhibitions or, you know, insecurities. Did those develop then in terms of working with others? And that was something you had to kind of force yourself back to? I, I think, I think that, yeah, I think as we age, we just become more critical of things and we compare things more. And I think my songwriting process in my groups was, you know, we all wrote individually and brought things to the band to work on collectively. Um, 
But, you know, I, I was very, very fortunate to be working with absolutely incredible songwriters. And so I think when I stacked up things next to each other, I think sometimes I just felt like I had a little more ways to go before getting to that point uh, for myself. But I think that it's also just mindset, you know, I, I feel free from those from from those things I used to worry about so much because uh, I think you just have to to trust that what you have to say has a place. You mentioned doing work for hire for film yeah. and things like that. Is that a different type of songwriting? Are you tapping into something differently because someone's like either saying it has to match these images or here's the story I need you to tell in song? Yes, exactly. Actually, uh, that's part of what I really loved about taking that work was that I had, you know, briefings for a lot of different things. And I really enjoyed working within the confines of, of those briefs. So, you know, it's like we need a we need a sort of mysterious song about this specific thing that uh, is going to create this specific kind of mood. And, and with those kinds of uh, those kinds of restrictions, I really love exploring that and I really love diving into it. So it was a really good exercise for me to like branch out of my own sort of musical inclinations and uh, just tackle these 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 amazing new things. And also because I was creating so much at home, I was learning so much more about my own studio, my own editing skills and rediscovering all of the instruments that I've played throughout my life. I started as an organ player. I was played a bit of piano. I was a percussionist in high school. I have taught myself guitar a bit later in life. And so just kind of rediscovering this whole palette that I had to work with that was like beyond what I had been doing for the last few decades. So I think all of that uh, was really nourished me really and really helped me rediscover or discover, I guess, for the first time, who this solo artist was going to be as an adult, you know? So then in opening up that palette with the, the rediscovery of these instruments and stuff, then it did that affect kind of like what you were creating f for Bold as Logs? Like, did you find that the songs shaping in your head had a breadth that they might not have had if you, if you weren't kind of pushing yourself in, in these directions with these instruments? So um, I think it just it just taught me to expand sort of my palette in what I was doing. And also, like, I had been recording songs for the last two decades on my computer and in my own home studio. So kind of revisiting old recordings and seeing how I was doing things then versus how I was doing them now, I think I definitely noticed an evolution. But one thing that I also recognized was that there was this constant vibe in everything that I've done. Um, and I think that that stems from the Winnipeg music scene and having, you know, spent all of my formative years in music in the French community and also in the Roots community here. And, you know, I, I just, I hear all of those influences in it. And so um, it kind of really inspired me to, to, to really i always wondered what my album would sound like would it be really rootsy would it be really acoustic would it be this would it be that and now i was kind of hearing things come all together and i knew that my closest pals were in town at that time to work on it with me and i think that that's just where 
where the whole album really got started. The the francophone aspect. This is a this is a bilingual record, and I'm curious: is writing in one language like different for you as a process than the other? Like like do do you find you write the same way in either language, or do you approach things differently because it's a different language? Uh, I think that I definitely approach it differently in a different language. Uh, and I find that I write about certain things in different languages. Like if I write about, I mean, generally I explore a lot of like natural world themes, you know, uh, but in, in French, I tend to write certain songs that are maybe more about environment and feeling and then in english i tend to write more about relationships and parallels to nature like i guess they're all in the same realm but in my mind it it, i find it interesting how you know certain things i want to say will naturally want to come out in a certain language um and for a while, I realized I was writing a lot of waltzes in French. I think it, I listened to a lot of Cajun music, so probably that uh, has a factor in it. But I love a good waltz. And then I realized like all of my waltzes were French songs, which was a funny coincidence, but maybe not. Does melody come first or lyrics or does it depend on the song? They're pretty intertwined, actually. Uh, generally, I, I I hear a melody and then I try to kind of shape that melody using the meter of the words that I'm I'm saying and oftentimes sometimes the words will change but the words in the beginning generally have an important part in dictating how the melody will be sung uh, so they kind of go hand in hand for me but uh, there's all, always a lot of revision work at the end where I'll change things um, and review it and rewrite it if I need to. But generally at that point, the melody is stable and I'm just putting new lyrics into it. And if the melody's a waltz, it's probably gonna be French. Yeah, exactly. But that's my my uh, my new uh, defi, uh, what is that in English? It's a um, challenge. My new challenge is uh, to write a waltz in English. So you mentioned, you know, exploring, like you think that this, like the, the natural world it's a and feelings is a French thing, and then in relationships and, and stuff is is an English thing. But that that they're like, there's like a liminal space where these two overlap. Is that kind of just indicative of like who you are, or do you have these thoughts in either language? Like like, are you thinking about the natural world in French? Like do, when you go outside and you go for a walk or something, do you do you see that world in French, and then it's it, it, that's the way you express that? Yeah, I think maybe, you know, I think like the the natural world and um, being, you know, in the woods and off the grid is something that I've done my whole life. And so it's like, since I'm a child that uh, is close to me and close to who I am, and French is my first language, I grew up in a very French household. So and family and so probably the connection between those two is from from very very early on and so uh it feels natural to me to express myself in that world in that way because it was probably the first thing i did 
Um, and I guess for relationships and everything, you know, uh, living obviously a very bilingual life in Manitoba. Um, and I guess maybe the more com the, the complexities of, of relationships and relate relating to people and, you know, working with people is more of an English world thing for me. So maybe, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just riffing on this, but, but that would seem to make sense, you know? Right. Now I got to ask about the title, bold as logs. Is, yeah. is this a translation of like a French term? Is there a term like bold as I've, I'm just, I'm just no. curious about like the, the, the genesis of this title, because it's like, I've never thought of blogs as being bold, first of all. Yeah. I, I, you're probably not the only person either, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Like, you know, I, um, I kind of was joking around when we started this process with Damon and Grant and just saying how I had always thought, you know, if I had a band, I would call my band Logs. And people <laughs> thought that that was really weird. But I always thought it was great. Like I thought, you know, Logs are are amazing. I grew up around them. They fall in the woods. They or you, you, you know, they're everywhere and they are sustenance. They're like they're very incredible. You can, they, they've kept humans alive for a long time as well, I think. Uh, but anyways, all to say, I kind of didn't take it too seriously, but as we were making the record, my, my studio in my basement's called the Beaver Hut. So I would always say, you know, bring your logs, bring your sticks to the Beaver Hut. Like let's build some, some tunes. And I also have always felt like I want my music to feel like floating down a river. Uh, like just easy and and smooth and sometimes it's like rough and tumble and sometimes it's really smooth and calm but you just keep floating uh, and hopefully you enjoy the float so anyways just kind of all of this terminology was around when we were making this record and uh, you know when we said maybe it should be called bold as logs I thought about it and I just didn't take it too seriously at the beginning but the more I thought about it and circled around it just like it started to feel like how could it be anything else uh and you know it obviously has multiple layers of meaning for me uh but also I'm just I hope that it has sort of finds some meaning for others as well uh you know are logs bold I would say that they are so is this record all one river journey or is each song like a journey down the river it's kind of all of it. I mean, I think the whole record is is a is a float for sure, uh, but every song kind of takes its own turn and its own spin. Uh, but you know, when I was making it, I was really wanting that feeling that you could just put it on and just let yourself be carried to the end of it. How much craft and consideration went into the sequencing, like where which song ended up on the record? Yeah, very much. Lot, lots of consideration. Uh, and, you know, still, you you know, it's it could go so many ways. Uh, I'm really happy with what we landed on, though. Uh, and there are some songs that I recorded for this record that didn't make it on uh, because I modeled the whole album after the length of a vinyl because that was sort of my number one uh, goal was to make one. So there are a few more songs so even selecting the songs that were going to make the cut versus the ones that weren't uh was a process and then once i had decided that then to decide what the whole order would be 
um, you know, it, it's, I grew up with vinyl and I grew up with CDs and actual records that start and finish and that bring you somewhere and that have artwork that goes with it and that have lyrics, lyrics in the liner notes or whatever. That whole experience is still so valuable and important to me. And that's what I wanted to do, even though I know it's not really the common model as much these days. It was really important for me to put something together that was thoughtful from beginning to end. As we were about to record this, you mentioned you were, you know, getting a, a rough or a final cut on a video. Do you do you think of like your songs in terms of imagery when you're writing them or does that kind of come afterwards? Uh, yeah, I would say that there's definitely imagery uh, in my mind when I'm writing songs, but usually the the outcome for a video i mean i think every song that i've ever written i have imagined in my head what a video could look like also you know i'm i'm a much music kid from that grew up you know in the 90s and so uh you know that was also so much a part of my world was music videos and how images translate the music and so uh, it's the first time that I'm really exploring all of that and able to put actual images onto them. And, you know, to to be honest, they're not that far from what has I've imagined in my head already. But obviously, there's just so many other people collaborating on ideas and bringing some beautiful things forward. So it ends up being its own thing, which is really great. But I think that the root of it all is just, yeah, this 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 feeling and image that exists with the song whether there's actual images or not yeah one of the great things about music and especially like recorded music is there's there's the ephemeral quality of it when you hear a song and then there's that physical like manifestation that you can kind of take home and repeat uh folk fest is, is a little like that right like where you see someone on stage and then you, you go to the tent and, and buy a copy of their record on, on the way home and, and try to kind of like recapture that spirit Wondering yeah. about your kind of reminiscence of, of your own folk fest experiences heading into playing this year's fest. Oh, I'm just absolutely thrilled to be playing this year. This feels like a, a really big milestone for me. I played the very my very first folk fest when I was 18 with my uh, band Rudimental at the time, Rudimental, and uh, we we were so young, but we were just thrilled to be there. I remember singing a tweener on the main stage. We sang uh, Joni Mitchell's Blue, and I yeah, it's just a magical moment that lives in my mind. And I didn't grow up going to folk festival because my family owns and operates a fishing lodge in northern Manitoba since the mid-80s. So summers were in the woods, summers were not in the city. And so I actually spent my very first folk fest that year when I played it um, when I was 18. And, you know, every band that I've been in has passed through the Folk Fest, has performed there. And so it does feel like a pretty big milestone for me to be uh, there this year with my own project. It's a it's a tremendous honor um, and I'm just very excited. It's just like this whole new chapter is unfolding for me and I'm really excited about it. Really do, excited to share it. Do you know if you're doing any workshops? Have that, has that been firmed up? Uh, all the details have not yet been solidified, but I am guessing that there will be uh, there will be workshops, and I'm hoping for it because it is one of my favorite parts of playing the folk fest is just the the chance to meet and collaborate with v a variety of amazing artists from all over. 
Yeah, I get the sense from talking with other artists in the past that the workshops is kind of the best thing for them because you, if you're on stage, it's like a gig like any other, just with like it's outdoors and with a larger crowd. But the the opportunity to kind of collaborate or like sit across from another artist and kind of watch them do something is is the real gem for them. Yeah, it truly is. And it's just such a unique experience. And I think it just kind of flexes our muscles as as musicians. And I don't mean that in like a show off way. I mean that in just like it kind of shows us what, you know, it puts us in an environment where we're forced to, you know, challenge ourselves a little bit or, uh, you know, just share music in a way that we don't really get to I think it's really beautiful to be able to bring what we do and do our own shows and, you know, share that, but then also to, yeah, come, come à la rencontre, come to meet new artists and be put in a scenario where if you want to try something together, go for it. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, that, that part I love. Awesome. Well, before I let you go, Andrina, I want to get you to pick a song off of the record that we can play for listeners. And if you have a reason why you're picking that song in particular or an anecdote about it, I'd love to hear that. Well, then I would maybe choose to do August Lament. Um, it's a song that is one of the older ones on my record. Uh, but, you know, it's always felt like a, a, a good lesson to me. Like this, this, the song is essentially about the fact that, you know, it's never it's never bad to open ourselves up to love, even if in the end, sometimes it doesn't work out how we planned. Um, if if we're honest and we're present in those relationships, then there's always something to teach us and there's not a moment lost, really. And I feel like that sentiment has has lasted for me. I still feel that way about things. And, uh, you know, I, I see it as more of a hopeful song than a sad one. And it was just like so beautiful to, to have heard this song in my mind for years and then to have it come alive in the studio. Um, so yeah, that's the song I'll choose, August Lament. So not just a sentiment you kept coming back to, but a song you kept coming back to and earned, earned itself a place on Bold as Logs. Exactly, exactly. It's one of those songs that just never strayed too far from me. And I always felt like it, sh- it deserved a moment, you know? Well, Andrina, thanks for taking some time and congratulations on the release of the record. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for having me. Thrilled to talk to you today.
I'm Michael Lodz, and you've been listening to a special podcast spotlighting Andrina Turin, who'll be performing on Saturday, July 8th at 2.30pm at Baroque at the Winnipeg Folk Festival. To hear more featured artists, visit umfm.com, and be sure to visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca to get tickets to this great event running July 6th through 9th at Birds Hill Park. 